open your Bibles tonight to Psalms 19, not not 119, but Psalms 19, and uh, I, I told Bev I knew what I was going to preach tonight, but there again, it was one of those times that, uh, that I, you know, I, I wish I had a, a day or something to really uh, spend some more time on this, uh, and having such a difficulty trying to, to read and study and think and what have you that uh, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to do the best you can with what you got where you are. Psalms 19, verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter than honey in the honeycomb, moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great Reward. I've uh, I hesitated to read that passage because I so desperately want to stay right there and camp out all evening, and we may do that in another message. Uh, it, it's so interesting there the different ways in which God refers to His Word. It starts out speaking about the law. Notice the testimony, the statutes, the fear of the Lord, the judgments of the Lord. Uh, and, um, and so he speaks about the Word of God in several different ways. And in another message, we might talk about that. When it gets right down to it, and I think I mentioned this last week, people refuse to study God's Word because they do not realize the benefits of doing so. If they did, they would if they, you know, if they could. And certain people have limitations. There are people, you know, that are blind and can't, can't read like you and I do. And so I know there are exceptions to that, but there's always some way to study the Word of God, and especially the day and the age that we live in. You know, you, you, many of you have the Bible right on your phone. You can listen to it and meditate on it. But most people neglect it because they don't see any need for it beyond what they already know. And I talked about that this morning concerning the love of God that is so elementary that a lot of people think, well, you know, I already know God loves me. God loves the world. What more is there? And so they just don't see any need in really meditating upon that when in reality, meditating upon the greatness of God's love is one of the keys to enable us to love Him more. Now, Bible students, those, those of you that, you know, love the Lord and love to study God's Word, you realize that kind of an attitude is foolish. But please understand, there are those that do not have that insight that you do for, for whatever reason. That would be a whole other message. But they don't have that insight. For whatever reason, they do not see the need of really immersing themselves in the study of God's Word. Now, the first bit of advice I would give you or anybody else whenever it comes to the Word of God is this, and that is read the Bible as if God is speaking to you. He is. 
read the Bible as if God is speaking to you. He is. Suppose I said, I want everybody to be here at 8 o'clock in the morning because we're going to have a guest speaker and the Lord Himself has given me a divine revelation and He has promised me, assured me that He's going to be here. He is literally going to speak to us in an audible voice. I, I suspect everybody would be here for that. To hear the Lord in an audible voice, you know, uh, uh, that ought to get anybody's interest. But the fact of the matter is, that would not be one bit more important than for me or for you to read the Word of God. Wouldn't be any more important. It's still the Word of God. And so, you know, that raises a, a question, I think, why would we prefer one over the other? To get here and let's assume the Lord wasn't going to be here in a bodily form. There was just going to be the voice, you know. And as soon as we assembled and right after we had prayer, all of a sudden the Lord would take over and speak in an audible voice. Wouldn't even need the sound system or anything. Wouldn't be one bit different than whenever we read the Word of God. It might be that some folks are more concerned about miracles than they are the Master Himself. Because that would get them all excited, you see. Knowing the Bible is the pure Word of God, as we just read, you know, that ought, that ought to get our interest in it. And we, we ought to know and we'll find out what He says. I saw a Facebook ad the other day. I can't remember the name, and for good reason I didn't really want to, but it was uh, some false teacher that has uh, written a book. He has a ministry, by the way, an entire ministry of some kind, but, but he has written a book on how to literally hear the voice of God. He claims, he claims that you can actually hear God's voice. You can hear Him speak audibly. And he's written a book and, and uh, teaches you how to do that. You know, in the first place, if I knew how to do that, I wouldn't waste my time writing a book and I wouldn't charge people for the information. I'd be shouting it from the rooftops trying to get that news out there. So it always makes me leery when somebody says, oh yeah, I know how to do it, but you got to buy my book to do it. Or contribute to my ministry, you know, something like that. The form in which God's Word comes to us is really not the important thing, you know. If it comes from God, expressing the will of God, that's really all that's matter. Whether it is spoken, whether it is written, whether it comes by Morse code or you know, I've often talked about the fact that God wanted to. He could He could send woodpeckers all over the country, and they get on every telephone pole, and they could tap out the gospel in Morse code. But God doesn't do it that way, you see. But whatever the means is, doesn't matter one bit. It's the fact that God is speaking to us, and if God gives us His word, we ought to give Him our attention. 
And I, I'm just determined that I'm going to do everything in my power before I die to help people to cultivate a, a, a hunger and appetite for the Word of God. I mean, this is, this is the means whereby God is communicating with us. And so I can't think of anything any more important than that. But let me tell you, without a hunger, without a thirst for the Word of God, you will never become the person God wants you to be. You'll never be able to cope with the difficulties of life. You'll never accomplish the things that God wants to use you for. So, that's why tonight we're going to spend another evening talking about the Word of God. And tonight I want to speak to you about why you need the Bible. Why you need the Bible. And there are four simple things that I want you to remember as to why you need the Bible, why we need to read and to study the Word of God. The first thing has to do with the, the nature of the Bible. And I'm going to mention this first because everything else, uh, you know, that we're going to talk about, this is the thing that helps us to see our need. The Bible is not just another book. Sometimes people, you think it was just another religious book. A lot of people, a lot of people look at it that way. I remember, oh, it's been probably maybe 15 years ago now. We had a fellow that was coming to church, and he was. And we got to talking about the things of the Lord, and he was talking about the fact that he has read the so-called Bibles or publications or books representative of all the major religions. Now, I don't know why anybody would want to waste their time doing that when we have the book right here in our hand, you see. And and th this this book is not only not just another book, it's, it's a book about God. But it's more than a book about God, it is a book by God. And it's the only book, the only book, that God has ever written that we have in our possession. I know some of you are thinking, oh yeah, there's the book of life up there. Well, you don't have that. <laughs> this is the only thing that we've got, you see. And, and the nature of the Bible is it's by God, it is about God. And folks, we shouldn't need any other reason to read and to study the Bible, I, I, you know, no preacher should have to encourage people to do that. It's a book by God, about God, and consequently, as a result of that, it meets the deepest needs of our heart. And for that reason, we ought to read every word of the Bible. We ought to obey every command found in the Bible. We ought to follow every principle set forth in the Bible. And we ought to heed every warning and claim every promise. You might want to jot that, those thoughts down there. And when you go through the Bible, because some people don't know what to look for. I remember when I, remember I started out and my idea of Bible reading was you know, they had the plan back then that you read through the Bible in a year, start out in Genesis and what have you. I, I, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I was just reading. Now, I'm not going to say it was a waste of time by any means, 
But I tell you, there's much more productive ways to read the Bible. And we ought to do more than read it. We ought to study it. And so as you go through the Bible, you need to look for those commands and those principles and those warnings and those promises. Because I'll guarantee you, if you go through the Bible looking for those things, it will all of a sudden, it will create a, a greater interest in the Bible. You'll get more out of it. Think about it. The one who created, the one who controls all of the universe has chosen to communicate with us. Now remember, He's holy, we're sinful. Does anybody else ever have a problem of when someone really, oh boy, they've done you wrong, they gossiped about you, they did this, they did that, they're totally in the wrong don't you kind of have a hard time in wanting to communicate with people like that? You see them Sunday morning and you shake hands with them and you, you know, inside you thinking, man, I'd like to slap you in the face. Uh, I mean, that's the way you feel. And you say, you know, a Christian shouldn't feel that way. Well, we're not perfect yet. And I'm just telling you, there are a lot of times because of what people do, we choose that we really don't want to communicate with with them. But let me tell you, as sinful as we are, God says, I want to stay in touch with you. I want to communicate with you. And that's why He has given the Word, you see. And having having God as its author, think about that. I've read a lot of books over the years, but I've never read a book like this book. This is the only book that God has written and given to us, you see. So we know that it's accurate because anything imperfect couldn't come from God. So it's accurate. It's not only accurate, but it's, it's authoritative in what it says. I mean, when you, when you think about God saying something, He's the highest authority in all of the universe, and consequently we ought to pay attention to it. You know, it's one thing for me to go out there and stand on the street corner, you know, and and stop traffic and, and what have you. I start writing some tickets, you know. You know, I don't like the way you're driving. Let me get my pen out and a pad of paper, and I think I'm going to write you a ticket. I don't have any authority. Now, you know, some of you guys that are cops, you you can do that and get by with it because you have authority. I don't. But when we read the Bible, understand it's coming from the highest authority in all of the universe. And not only that, but it's adequate. It's adequate to meet our needs. And that ought to make it appealing to us. I mean, knowing that God cannot lie, that we're reading the truth and nothing but the truth, you know, um, not only is our interest piqued by that, but... Uh, it's heightened whenever we, uh, whenever we know that it's for us. It's from God, but it's for us. And it deals with the nature of God and deals with the nature of man. Who was it that said something about uh, uh, the, the, our need to understand thyself? Uh, I can't remember who it was that said that, but that, that is important. Because we don't know ourselves as well as we, as well as we should. But when we study the Word of God, God not only reveals His nature, that is, He describes for us His attributes. You know, His perfection, His holiness, His love, and so forth. All of the things that make God, God. 
And it's important for us to understand that, but it's important for us to understand who we are, what we are, as God created us to be. So the Bible does exactly that, and then it turns around and addresses our needs. It reveals what is wrong with man and God's plan to fix it. So God's Word is, as we saw last week, God uses His Word to save us. He uses His Word to sanctify us. He uses His Word to strengthen us and to supply our needs, whatever they might be. So, you see, the Word of God affects our beliefs and our behavior. Now, you can form all of your beliefs based on what the Bible says, naturally, and then you can choose not to obey it, and it doesn't affect your behavior. But somebody that literally, you know, takes the Word of God into their heart and studies the Word of God, they love the Word of God, not only do you formulate your set of beliefs based on that, it affects the way that you behave, you see. And that's that's why it's so important for our edification. That is the building up of ourselves spiritually. It's not for our entertainment. Even though, you know, it's enjoyable to read the Bible, it's not for our entertainment. It's given to edify us, to build us up spiritually. And it does so because it enlightens our mind, it educates us, it enables us, it encourages us whenever we're down. Boy, I tell you, whenever you get down and just discouraged, whatever it is, you know, if you'll just, you know, get in a quiet place and open the Word of God and have a word of prayer and just let God speak to your heart. I'm telling you, there's nothing in all of the world that will encourage you like the exceeding great and precious promises of God. It'll do it when nothing else will. So, we need the Word of God because of the nature of the Bible, because of what it is. Secondly, we need the Word of God because of our need for the Bible. Now, I know that It sounds like double talk whenever I say that because that's basically the title of the message. But before we talked about our need for the Bible, we need to understand the nature of the Bible. And never was there anything more obvious than that we need to communicate with God. We need God's Word. And I could stand here and I could just sum it all up in a brief statement, you know, like... Although that we are dead in our trespasses and sins, you know, the Bible shows us the way to life and the way through life. You know, that would kind of sum it all up, I think, you know. Or we could go in a, into great detail going through the Bible, and uh, we might do that sometime just looking at all of the various ways in which it supplies our need. Now, I knew I didn't have time to do that tonight, so what I've chosen to do is to read two sections that address this issue here, and it doesn't need a lot of comment. Second Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 15, and then we're going to turn to Second Peter. In these two sections, and by the way, if you're looking for something to study, either one of these would make a, a good study, because you can take these verses apart word by word by word, and, and I'm telling you, there, there's a gold mine here. Notice what he says, chapter 3, verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, 
which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Boy, that's a gold mine of material right there. But then he goes on to say to Timothy, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Here's what it's profitable for. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So there, there is one of the best sections in all of the Bible to remind us as to how the Bible meets our needs. Notice, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now look in Second Peter, chapter number 1, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 3, I think. Second Peter, chapter 1, and verse number 3. There have been entire books, by the way, written on, uh, on these few verses right here. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Let that sink in for a little while to become a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let me tell you, the majority of the people in the world have not escaped that. But he's saying, he's saying, I'm showing you the way that you can. And God has given us everything we need pertaining to life and to virtue so that you can escape the corruption. Verse number 5, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if ye, if these things be in you, and abound, and make you, that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Where Therefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fail. Is that fail or fall? Fall. Wow. I, I, I remember years ago preaching an entire series, maybe some of you can remember it, but uh, on especially on verse number 5 and 6 and 7, you think about... Those things add to your virtue knowledge, and then temperance, and patience, and godliness, and brotherly kindness, and charity. There's a whole series of messages right there, and you can spend a lot of time just thinking about those things that the Word of God produces in your life. And, and, in, in, in a sense, you could say the Bible addresses every need we have. You, know, you say, well, yeah, but the Bible doesn't talk about this or the Bible doesn't talk about that. Well, if it doesn't make mention of it by way of a commandment or a warning or a promise, I, I'll guarantee you it deals with it in a principle of some kind or another. And it's God's way of saying, I'm here to help you, to instruct you, to encourage you, regardless of the situation in your life. So the Word of God not only provides life, I'm talking about spiritual life, 
It provides light also and liberty in that it delivers us from the bondage of the flesh and it creates a likeness unto the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we need the Bible. Satan is a liar, as I mentioned a while ago about that false teacher. It's, it's just unbelievable to me that anybody could be deceived by somebody like that. Uh, why would anyone follow someone like that? And yet it's going on all of the time. Just the other day there was a... I, I believe it was on Dr. Phil's show or something, and I wanted to see, I just saw part of it, but I wanted to see it because it was this fellow that started, I think it's called the Fellowship of the Martyrs, something like that. And, man, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it's amazing how unscriptural the beliefs of some of these people are, and they have followers that that literally will do anything they're told to do. It's just, and, and uh, this woman happened to be on the show with this guy that was the founder of the organization talked about the fact that he was a, he's a prophet of God, you know. He, he's, he's speaking God's word. And Satan is a liar, folks. Satan is a deceiver. And I'm telling you, that's why we need the truth. And the only place we find that is in the word of God. We need that or we're going to be deceived. Uh, one of the, one of the, the good things about, you know, and I just started last week talking about this and, and talking about the need to really get in and study the Bible. And already, already you'd be amazed at how many people have said, I've got a question. Or how many people, how many people have said, well, I'm studying this and I'm studying that, you know, and they picked out a book of the Bible. That's great. That's awesome. That's what I'm talking about. Get in there and find a book of the Bible or a chapter in the Bible or a topic in the Bible or some character in the Bible. Find something there that you're interested in and just, I mean, dig in and study it and, and get every bit of it that you can. And you know what? A year later, you can go back and make that study again and you'll learn things that you didn't get the first time, I'll guarantee you. Because we never get it all. And that's why we can spend a lifetime of studying the Bible. We need the truth and you find it only in the Bible. So, when we talk about this matter of needing God's Word, we need it because of the nature of God. We need it because of the nature of man or the needs of man. But also, turn back to First Peter now, chapter 2. We need it because of the nourishment that comes from the Bible. Chapter 2 and verse number 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby you know of all of the many needs supplied in the bible uh, for the christian i don't know that there's anything really more important than this and i say that because immaturity is at the root of most of our problems as christians and the only cure for spiritual immaturity is spiritual growth and the only way to spiritual growth is through a knowledge of God's Word. You know, there, there some people, you know, that uh, they don't have any concern about the Bible at all, and they don't make any bones about it. They don't have time for what they would call foolishness, and 
They're not going to sit down and read the Bible. They don't believe it anyway. But there are others that would indicate, yeah, they're, you know, they're concerned about it. In fact, they'd tell you, yeah, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. But what they do is end up trying to survive on junk food. And I want to be really careful how I word this because there's no junk food in the Bible. But I'm telling you, people, the same people that, that are smart enough to eat a good, healthy diet to be, you know, healthy physically, well, they got then their veggies and so on and so forth. Those same people, a lot of times, refuse to study God's Word that promotes growth. And uh, the same people, a lot of times, will listen to some false teacher that leads them astray. And in some cases, all they're really looking for is an emotional experience. We live in a day and an age where there are churches and preachers that are willing to give you whatever you like, whatever you want, without any regard for what you really need. And boy, let me tell you, that, that's appealing. You, you think about young people, for example, and especially if they're unsaved, but let's say even some that have made a profession of faith. Young people, and, and naturally they like excitement. And so, you know, some, some church says, come on next Sunday, we're going to have Bozo the Clown and, you know, Zulu the Gorilla. And, and if that's not exciting enough, the pastor will come roaring in on his Harley and do some wheelies. And, and, and you know, they, they'll just do what, whatever needs to be done in, in order to attract people. And you can find people all across America on Sunday morning supposedly worshiping God, all involved emotionally, but there's absolutely nothing but fluff to all of it. There's no real meat of the Word and the people can't grow. They don't care whether they grow or not. They just want to keep them under their thumb and in the church and keep them contributing so they can build their little empire. That's all they've really got on their mind, you see. We need more than that. We need the meat of God's Word. And that brings me to the last and the next point. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We need to think about the neglect of the Bible. Not only the nature of you know, the Word of God, and not only our need for it, but we need to think about the danger of neglecting it. So here's Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And by the way, here is a church that was troubled in a lot of different ways. Here's a church that was was split up. Notice he says in verse 4, some said they were of Paul and some of Apollos, and, you know, and uh, some said uh, they were of Peter and probably, you know, some of them said, well, we just followed the Lord. And I like what one preacher said one time. He said that was probably the worst of the bunch, you know, because they wasn't going to listen to any preacher. Wasn't no pastor going to demonstrate authority over them. They had their mind made up what they were going to do, and nobody was going to confuse them with the facts, you know. So that's kind of the way it is. But Paul is writing this letter and trying to correct some of the issues. By the way, We'll be starting, uh, what, what is it? We have started 
our study in 1 Corinthians. We're going to take you through it. What is it? 46 lessons, I believe. We're going to go through it verse by verse in Sunday school. And there's so much uh, material here and such a diversity of subjects to deal with. Uh, it would really be great if you tried to make every single class. Verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. Isn't that horrible? Isn't that horrible that 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 the apostle Paul say, "Look, you know, I, I I can't I can't address you. I can't speak to you as though you're spiritual, because they're not." But notice he says, "But as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ." Now they're in Christ, but they haven't matured. They haven't grown. He said, "I fed you with milk, and not with meat." For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, and neither yet now are ye able. For ye, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? This is an example of what I'm talking about in the danger of neglecting the Bible. Our needs don't get met because we don't grow spiritually. Our, our, our growth is stunted. It just irritates me to think. Uh, and, and get on national TV, some of these preachers, and say the things that they do. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't talk about sin. Everybody knows they're a sinner. There's no need for me to discuss the subject of sin and nonsense like that. Uh, it, it's just amazing. Another one gets on there and says, oh yeah, I, I, I never talk about the Ten Commandments. That's all Old Testament stuff. Let me tell you, the law is extremely important because until you understand the law, God, that is God's standard, God's requirements, there's no way you'll ever understand that you're a sinner in the sight of God. You have violated God's righteous standard. And so here Paul is trying to correct the problems in this church, but understand that these people, he says, before I had to give you the milk of the Word, and he says, even now, I don't know how much time had passed for sure, but time had passed by, and he says, even now, you've still not matured. I mean, we're back here on the ABCs. We're back here on the, on the basics. Look in Hebrews chapter 5, and here we find another example of exactly what we're talking about here. Hebrews chapter number 5 and verse number 11. He says, speaking of Christ, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, now, now, get the connection here. Many things to say, but they're hard to be uttered. Here's why. Seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when the time, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Here 
here we find a people that have been neglecting the Word of God. It stunted their growth. And notice that when we do that, it leads to dullness of hearing. There's so many times I think we preachers maybe beat ourselves up because, you know, we feel like, well, we just can't get through. I can't get the message across. And we think, you know, well, if I, if I had a little more zeal or if I used better illustrations or if I had a better outline or if I was more eloquent of speech or whatever, then I could do it. Well, not necessarily. Because sometimes people are just dull of hearing and it doesn't make any difference what you say or how you say it. They're not going to get the message. And that's the point. He says, you're dull of hearing. And it causes drifting, by the way. And in this same letter, he talks about the danger of drifting. These same people drifting away from the things that, you know, that ought to be steadfast and sure in their life. It creates disobedience in our life, defilement in our life, depression. And this same letter of Hebrews, by the way, deals with all of those issues. And those issues exist because the people have not grown spiritually. So let me tell you, of all the foolish things you could do, Maybe the worst thing is to just neglect the Word of God. Because that's the thing that leads to all of these other problems, you see. So remember this, and I'm through. Uh, when we refuse to receive the Word of God, that is to hear it, to accept it, that's one thing, and it's dangerous. But But there's more to it than just refusing it there's also the matter of obeying it. You know, some people don't refuse it in the sense that they reject it. It's not that they start throwing rocks at the preacher because, you know, they don't like the message or anything. It's not, not like they say, boo, you know, don't like that or whatever. It's, it's, they're not rejecting the Word of God in that sense. They might be in full agreement. The preacher, what, what you said is exactly what the Bible teaches. That That's right, but... There's more to it than just us filing it in our mental file cabinet, adding it to our collection of material that we can, you know, hit the recall button and go back and quote a particular scripture or something. There's the matter of obeying it. In the Great Commission, you remember, remember the Lord taught us to go and make disciples. And then what did He say? Teaching them to observe. All things whatsoever, you know, to observe. And there are a lot of times that we, we observe something in the sense of looking at it and analyzing it and so forth, but we don't observe it in the sense of putting it into practice. We ought to read the Word of God faithfully, study it frequently, obey it fully, and we ought to share it fervently. Sometimes we leave that one off, don't we? You know, some people, you know, that they'll read it and study it and they might obey it to an extent, but they make no effort to, to really share it. And that's what he's saying to those there in the book of Hebrews. He said, the time's come for you to be teachers. And every one of us ought to think of ourselves as a teacher. That's what I said last week and encourage you to get you studying the Bible. Just pretend next Sunday that you're going to have to teach a Sunday school class 
and, you know, get on your subject and stay on it and prepare yourself as though you were going to teach it. Now, one more verse I want to read with very little comment, and then I'm through. Psalms 138. There might be someone here that has never even read this verse, or you've never really thought about this verse. And I'm telling you, the more you think about it, the more astonishing it really is. Psalms 138 and verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Now here's the part I want you to get. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Wow. God has magnified His Word above His name. Now remember, when we talk about God's name, we're talking about who God is. And, and He says the Lord has magnified His, His Word even above His name. There's nothing that God holds in higher esteem than his word, you know, we talk about my word is my bond, you know. Well, let me tell you, boy, God's word means everything to him. And it surely ought to mean something to us that we'll get in it and read it and study it and just saturate our soul with these great truths and, and just watch God work in our lives and put it into practice and, you know, obey it, but, you know... We're never going to obey it until, first of all, we feed upon it and make it a part of our lives. So, I, you know, I, I, I just hope something that I've said here tonight, maybe this verse right here might be enough that you say, wow, I never thought about it that way. But if it's that important to God, you know, it ought to be important to me. And set out on a mission to become a, a student of the Word of God because all Scripture, Paul said, is what? Profitable. It's profitable. All of it is. Let me give you another Scripture. Uh, it's hard to stop sometimes. Even, you know, even if you don't feel good, it's hard to really stop. I go all the way back to the book of Joshua. Boy, if ever a man was sent on a mission that seemed to be destined for failure, it was him. I mean, to think about him following Moses and to think about what he was called to do. And the Lord said in verse number 6, Be strong and of a good courage. For unto the, Chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous for, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest, get this now, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever Thou goest. Wow, that's verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. 
For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. As I've said a thousand times, success is simply discovering the will of God and doing it. And the Lord is saying here to Joshua, you've got to be of good courage. I've got a big job for you to do, but here's the way you can get it done. Meditate in it day and night. Joshua was probably thinking, my, I don't have time to sit around the campfire, you know, meditating upon the Scriptures. I've got to get these people organized. I've got to do this. I've, you know, I've got to give some commands. I've got, we've got to scout out the land and do this and do that. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. You just meditate in my word day and night. And you might think to yourself, well, I am so busy that, you know, I just don't have time to do what you're saying, preacher. We used to have a old boy back in Missouri had his, he was a kind of a, local star singer uh, he had his own radio broadcast his name was bill ring he was about that tall and about that wide and everybody loved bill ring he was just a jolly old soul but he used to say uh, just about every broadcast you know he make the statement if you're too busy to go fishing you're just too busy well, that, all of those hillbillies back in Missouri, they loved to hear that because they was looking for an excuse to go fishing. Well, let me tell you, if you're too busy to study the Word of God, you're just too busy. You're too busy. You need to drop something, to do something or whatever, and make time for it. As the Lord said to Joshua, meditate in it day and night. Stay in the Word, and you'll be glad you did. Let's all stand We're going to have Tim to come, and I, I'm not sure what kind of an invitation you give, but that's all right, because I don't know what God might be saying to you. We're thankful the Lord added to the church this morning in kind of a strange way, wasn't it? But uh, but we're, we're cer- certainly thankful to have David and Angie and Taylor uh, back uh, in, in our fellowship, and you pray for them if you would. What page, son? 300.